we're going to start a new series. It's going to be an Advent series, and it's, it's titled The Heart of Christmas. But see, this series is going to lead us up to Christmas Eve service and into Christmas Day service. Because if you look at the Advent time of year, you have hope, joy, love, and peace are the four steps. This morning, we're going to talk about how hope is at the heart of Christmas. See, everything we do, we can't necessarily see what's going on. You've heard the old song that says, it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? And, 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 and again, I love Christmas songs. I do. I, li- I love Christmas time. Why? Because if you think about it, at the basis of, of Christmas, even for non-believers, for Christmas, think about kids. They have a hope that they're going to get a gift that they put on their list. But see, too often, I think many people and many of us included, we get wrapped up in confusing the Christmas spirit with gifts, with getting things. We, we spend money and buy a bunch of stuff that will take us all year to pay back on credit because we want, we want our kids or we want people to be impressed by what we give them. We want them to know that we love them. I'm going to give you a tip here. Spend 10 minutes with, it, with them. They'll know you love them. Don't worry about buying them a gift. Because how many of y'all who got kids know that those kids will play with the box more than they play with the toy? And I can ask my kids right now, what did I give you last year for Christmas? Exactly. How many of y'all remember what you got last year for Christmas? Are gifts that important then? Think about it. But we put so much emphasis on material things, thinking it's going to change the world. But the hope of Christmas is in the birth of Jesus. Guess what? I have celebrated Christmas for 20 years and never forgot the first gift I got, which was salvation because he came. See, and all of you have a same gift that you're still hanging on to today. It wasn't wrapped in a neat little box. It didn't come in a bowl. It came in a manger, in a stable, in the dark, in the poor, in the city. The greatest gift ever given was Jesus being born. See, when we get into understanding the heart of Christmas and the true reason of Christmas, we can have hope. See, his arrival on earth was a fulfillment of prophecy that was spoken 750 years before he came. Y'all think you've got to wait a long time for a gift. See, we're going to turn to Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 2 and read one of the most quoted scriptures this time of year. It truly is. When you get to verse 6, everybody, I'm, I'm telling you, even if you're not Christian, you know this verse 6 in, this, in these verses. Verse 2, it starts off, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warriors and the uniforms of the bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven armies will make this happen. See, Isaiah gave this prophecy when Israel was really struggling. How many of y'all can relate to that? Isaiah, God knew they needed some hope. See, I think too often, again, we read this and we think, okay, yeah, Israel was going through a lot of stuff. They were, because they had been led away from God by four ungodly kings before this. It was Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Those four kings led Israel away from God. But now, see, we want to blame people for our problems. But see, the people of Israel, just like us today, have a choice to follow God or to follow culture. See, Israel had decided to follow culture. They decided to follow those kings. And too often, we listen to our inside voices that we have to be liked, we have to be like them, we have to do this to follow them. See, we can complain all we want about who's, in, who's president. But last time I checked, my God is bigger than our president. So what he does, I pray for him. I, pray, I don't care who it is. I pray for our, our people in, or for our people in power because God says, guess what? None of them are there by mistake. I knew it was going to happen. You know, every, all this election that just went on, God didn't say, oh my goodness, I can't believe they voted that person in. That was not my plan. See, God already knows what's going on. Now, he gives us free will because we think we have to have control, but we don't have control because you ever notice how the more control you try to get, the more out of control things are? It's horrible that way, ain't it? If I just get this under control. But see, Isaiah wrote these words because they needed hope. People today need hope. They don't need the next 12-step program. They don't need the next gift. They don't need the next job. They don't need the next car. They don't need the next party. They need hope. And hope is found in a person, and his name is Jesus. I have lived both ways. So I, again, where I come from and where I'm at are darkness and light. And that's why this means so much to me and how, how Isaiah said it. Because see, there's two major statements that Isaiah makes here. First thing we have to do this morning is we have to acknowledge our brokenness, just like Israel did. We have to acknowledge that we're living in darkness, and it's surrounding us because of our choices, because of our sin. Last time I read my Bible, it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So in order to fix what's broken, we have to acknowledge it's broken. And when we can acknowledge our brokenness, hope comes in a manger. See, the birth of this child on this night changed history. I don't care if you believe in it or not. Your calendar is based on it. So give me all you want. I don't believe in them. Wonderful. Then pick a different calendar. It's B.C. and A.D. Everything, your birthday is based on Jesus' death. Now again, I'm not going to argue with people about it. I just know what's true. Okay? 
See, sometimes we need to be reminded that even in the darkest times, God has not forgotten us. Even when you're walking through that valley of the shadow of death, he says, I'll be with you. He goes, even though you may be in a storm, I'm in the boat with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I have come to redeem you. I have come to give you salvation. See, Matthew reminds us of Isaiah's writings in the gospel, and he makes a connection between them. I forgot my Bible. And what Matthew goes on to say is he makes the connection between Isaiah and the manger in Bethlehem. He wrote, All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, when we understand that Old and New Testament are combined and work together for the fulfillment of the prophecy of Jesus, it changes everything. See, the heart of Christmas, when we understand the heart of Christmas, we understand that it changes everything. The first point that I want to make to you this morning about the heart of Christmas and hope at the heart of Christmas is that we need to understand that the presence of darkness threatens our hope. We live in a culture, we live in a world, and, and I don't care who you look at now, they, you know, studies show we live in a post-Christian world. Okay, less and less people put their hope in Jesus. Why? That's a whole other series I could get into. But it's why tonight at 6 o'clock we're going to start a week of prayer and fasting. Because I believe that God needs us to pray. Jesus, I mean, Isaiah says, you know, if my people who are called by my name will just humble themselves and pray, I will answer them. I will hear from heaven and heal their land. We got Randy Ruiz coming in next Sunday morning, Sunday night. You're going to want to invite your friends to that. Because the center of the Christmas story is focused squarely on the birth of Jesus. He is the fulfillment of Israelites' hope, and he was the hope that God would push back the darkness and bring a bright light into the world. And when we understand that Christmas in our hearts changes our hope. See, Christmas is a reminder that whatever it is we hope for in our lives, whether it's healing, whether it's restoration, whether it's forgiveness, whether it's a fresh start, it is available because of the manger because Jesus chose to come. It is available to us through Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, hope is not a result of the absence of conflict. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to struggle. You're going to have trials. But our hope is based on the result of the presence of God with us. How many of you all this week, it was a rough week? How many of you all had just, you know, one of those weeks, it just seemed like things were coming from all angles at you. Didn't matter what you tried. I honestly believe, and it's why, I, I, again, why my weird mind goes where it does, 
is we are pushing through right now to see a breakthrough in our church. You know, again, being transparent, been going through a lot this week, a lot of attacks on our marriage, on a lot of other things. And I, I'm sitting there and I'm praying and I'm like, you know, uh, me, and, me and God going into my argument mode again about God, why is all this happening? And then he knocks me upside my head and says, hey, you're stepping through to the next level. It ain't supposed to be easy. You want to take a next step with God, it's going to stretch you. It's going to challenge what you think. It's going to challenge what you think you believe. As we talked, have been talking about in our experience in God course, you will come to a crisis of faith. Do you truly believe God is who he says he is, or do you think you have to control it? And so I've been praying, and I'm like, yeah, I know we got an enemy who hates me. He hates you. He hates your marriage. He hates your kids. And so guess what? We're going to strap up, we're going to pray and fast, and we're going to pray for breakthroughs. We're going to pray that lives get transformed. We're going to pray that the healings come. We're going to pray that mental health is restored. We're going to pray that addictions are broken. We are going to pray because of the hope of Christmas. Because it's Jesus who does it. And see, we get to hang on to that hope. Point two is God's presence has come to give us that hope. See, a common plant that grows in the southwest desert of the United States is the agave americana also known as a century plant. It thrives in rocky, dry, and mountainous desert locations and grows splayed leaves that grow to be a foot wide. This plant can reach 12 feet in diameter and grows to be six feet tall. Perhaps its most unusual trait is its long reproduction cycle. For 20 to 30 years, this plant remains the same height and puts out no flowers. But suddenly and without warning, a new bud will sprout, resembling a tree trunk-sized asparagus spear. It will rise into the sky at a rate of seven inches per day until it reaches a height of 20 to 40 feet. Then it culminates with the crown of several clumps of yellow blossoms that lasts for three weeks. Similarly to the century plant, some of the greatest answers to our hoping and longing take time and patience in order to see the beauty unfold. See, sometimes God doesn't give us the answer we want right away because he knows the character we need. Are you willing to continue to push through? Are you willing to praise through until you get a breakthrough? Now remember, this prophecy was said 750 years before it came to pass. But it gave him enough hope to keep moving. See, sometimes the dimmest light can bring, keep you moving forward and keep bringing you hope. See, sometimes you just got to look up at the weathered horizon and know it's just over the next hill. And so we keep moving. We keep praying. We keep trusting God. Why? Because this ain't our home. Again, we've been talking a lot about it lately because it's what God's been, what's God been putting on our hearts is this ain't our home. Our destination's heaven. And our destination is heaven because of Christmas. See, Craig Larson gave that story. But for 20 to 30 years, like this plant, well, Paul had to go out into the desert for years before he went out on his first missionary journey. See, God takes us to places and puts us in places to grow. Isaiah saw that one day in the future, it wasn't going to happen tomorrow. 
that God would bring a great light of salvation in the birth of a child. He, would, he said that he'll offer forgiveness. He said he'll bring healing. He'll bring light. He'll put a, an end to sin. He'll put an end to destruction. And I love the fact that this is, an, is, this is like prior, it's like history, present, and future all tied into one prophecy right here. Because this is what they were living through right now. But if they acknowledge that this is what they were living through and the sin they were living through here, when Jesus came, all the forgiveness would come. But guess what? He wouldn't roll, rule on his throne yet with, David, with the city of David and forever and ever until the end comes. And so it's, 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 we're, we're between the now and the not yet. Jesus has come and forgiven our sins now, but we still live in a sinful world, correct? Unless some of you all never sin. Um, I do, but it's all good. You can forgive your pastor for sinning, can't you? Um, Jesus has, so I don't really care if you can. Um, but we live in the forgiveness of Jesus now, but we know perfection comes. And that's what Isaiah is prophesying here. He's saying, I'm going to give you hope, and this is the final goal, but the goal, that goal is not going to come for a while yet. So while we read Isaiah every year for Christmas, it's because we see the faithfulness of God that goes gives us deep abiding hope in the present and unwavering trust for a future. In Romans 15.4, Paul gives us that same thing. He says, Such things were written in the Scriptures long ago to teach us, and the Scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. See, Paul understood it too. Everything that had been written in the past, all the prophecies, all the fulfillments was meant to teach us to hold on to our faith in God. That's why it's so important that we get in and we read his word. Because when we struggle, we can find hope. When we're walking through messes, we can find peace. But I can't find that peace and hope if I'm not hearing from God. And I need to hear from God. See, the fulfillment in the birth of Jesus was because it reminds us that God can be trusted to come through and meet our greatest needs. The third thing it does at the heart of Christmas is hope. Dr. James Dobson relates the story of an elderly woman named Stella Thornhope, was, who was struggling with her first Christmas alone, her husband had died just a few months prior through a slow-developing cancer. Several days before Christmas, she was almost snowed in by a brutal weather system. She felt terribly alone, so much that she decided she was not going to decorate for Christmas. Late that afternoon, the doorbell rang, and there was a delivery boy with a box. He said, Miss Thorn Thornhope, would you sign here? She invited him to step inside and close the door to get away from the cold. She signed the paper and said, what's in the box? The young man laughed and opened up the flap, and inside was a little golden Labrador retriever. The delivery boy picked up the squirming pup and explained, this is for you, ma'am. He is six weeks old and completely housebroken. The young puppy began to wiggle in happiness at being released from captivity. He sent this. Who sent this, Miss Thornhope asked. The young man set the animal down and handed her an envelope and said, It's all explained here in this envelope, ma'am. The dog was bought last July while its mother was still pregnant. It was meant to be a Christmas gift to you, the young man handed her a book. 
how to care for your Labrador Retriever. Her husband had bought that dog for her before he died. See, the letter was full of love that he had sent and encouragement and admonishments to be strong. He vowed that he was waiting for her to join him one day in heaven. He had sent her this young animal to keep her company until then. Little fella, she said to the dog, it's just you and me, but you know what? There's a box down in the basement I bet you'd like. It's got a little Christmas tree in it, some decorations and lights that are going to impress you. Let's go get it. See, sometimes we need God to step in and remind us that there are people who care about us as well. There are people who are thinking about you today and that you're thinking about today. Reach out. Send them a text. Give them a phone call because you may be the hope someone needs. As we sit and we think about the Christmas season, as we sit and think about everything that's going on, we need to remember that God is always on time. He isn't slow to fulfill his promises. He completes those things when, he call, when, when, he, when, he, when it's ready. See, God knows exactly what you need today. You probably have ideas of what you think you need. And some of them may be right. But God knows exactly what you need today. God knows exactly what those people that you're going to run into today need. See, Paul goes on into, into chapter 15, verse 5. He says, May God, who gives the patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other. We can live in complete harmony with each other, not because we're all the same, but because we have the hope of Christmas, which brings unity to his body. He says, as you do that, as you live in the hope of Christmas, as you understand the hope you've received because of a manger, you can start singing as one in harmony, praising God. It brings unity when we understand the hope of Christmas. See, Paul continues to say, down here, the heir to David's throne will come and he will rule over the Gentiles and they will place their hope in him. See, you're here this morning because you've already taken the step to hope in Jesus. See, the hope that we have isn't, isn't a wish. You need to understand that this morning. See, faith isn't a wish of hoping something's going to happen. The faith that we have in God is in a confidence hope of, guess what, I know who I was and I know who I am. It takes a journey, it takes work. It takes understanding and, and truly getting an understanding that when Paul says, I pray that the God, of, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, when it comes to Christmas time, and all these messages are going to be fairly short, so you can take some time to think about them. Because I can't re, I can't tell a better story than what the Bible does when it comes to Christmas. 
I mean, you think about the hope how this started. As, as I, I'm going to wrap it up with this if you think about this just real quick. Okay, Isaiah made this prophecy 740 years before. All of a sudden you got this young girl and this, this boy who are engaged to be married. Okay? All of a sudden this young girl goes to this boy and says, guess what, I'm pregnant. I'm, okay, knowing it wasn't me, I'm kicking her to the curb. But an angel came to Joseph and said, this girl, don't, don't put her away because she is pregnant by the Holy Spirit and she is going to give birth to the Son of God. Joseph had to have hope when an angel told him that because how many of you guys would have believed that? Exactly. But an angel came because God knew he needed it. See, whatever you need this morning, God knows what he needs, but you've got to slow down and let him speak to you. You got to slow down and let him give you that hope. Because Joseph didn't, he decided to marry her. And then God, in his infinite wisdom, said, Guess what? Now go ahead and go to Bethlehem because you got to go to the place of your, your forefathers. Not forefathers, but previous fathers. God had a plan. Do you understand? God's got a purpose for you. Okay, we read these stories, we know the end, we take it for granted, I think, too often. But the story that is written in the Bible, you could, you could write your story with it because God did the same thing with you. He took something that looked destroyed, he took something that looked discombobulated, he took something that you didn't think you could come back from, and yet somebody believed in you because God told them to believe in you, and they came and spoke to you. And when they, as they spoke to you, it brought a little bit of hope into your heart. And as that hope started to grow in your heart, you somehow got led to this church. And when you came into this church, I hope that you found even more hope because of that, because of Jesus, because of that manger. Because Jesus says, and God said, I have to send my son to bring everything and make everything right. And Jesus said, okay, I will leave the glory of heaven. I will leave the presence of the Father. I will leave everything and be born of a virgin in the middle of nowhere in an insignificant town because, I, because you love him. That's why he came. The heart of Christmas is the love of Jesus Christ for us. Because he didn't have to do it. See, this morning we need to take a moment and rehear the story of Christmas and let God speak new hope into our situations. Let God speak new life into our situations.